The Mere and the Curse of Camelot book is now available to buy on Amazon Prime. The link is in the details. If you're interested in partnering with Magical Storybook English Nanny Bedtime Stories or wanting to know more about sponsorship opportunities, then visit our website www.magical-storybook.com. You can also download free read-along books to accompany our fairy tales. Our magical storybook podcast, Mere and the Curse of Camelot, is now an exciting new novel, available to download on Amazon or buy as a printed book. Follow the link in the podcast details. Welcome to Magical Storybook, a collection of children's stories from around the world. Mia and the Curse of Camelot, Chapter 15. Farewell, Camelot. When you believe in good things, you can make them come true. Just search in your heart and you'll know what to do. What am I doing? thought Mia as she ran upstairs to the roof of the castle keep. Being inside felt very lonely and she had no plan of what she was going to do when she finally came face to face with the witch. She opened the door to the roof a few inches and peered through. There was no sign of Morgana but Mia could sense that she was nearby. A rotten fishy smell hit her nose confirming it. She pushed the door a little more and spied the battle dragon perched on the outer wall of the tower. Up close it was even more intimidating, 20 feet tall at least and just as wide. Its scales looked like thick tiles of dark copper armour layered around the spiny horns that covered its neck and head. Morgana was hanging onto one of the horns as she watched the battle unfold below. The ends of her long ragged hair floated upwards like coral in water while her moth-eaten dress and cloak blew behind her like the sails of a ship. The sight made Mia shiver. She looked at the dragon sword in her hand. What should she do now? She did not have to wonder for long because, without warning, Tarask's face appeared over the ledge behind the witch and drifted silently around the tower until his toothy mouth and yellow eyes were inches from hers. The other dragons circled them. Morgana pulled on the battle dragon's reins and it took to the sky. Its claws gripped Tarask and a ferocious airborne fight began. Merlin, who was still too weak to engage in the physical combat, had been busy thinking up a plan. He had been watching the knights and the gnome-led army charging around the statues, trying to trick them into going into the dried-up moat, which was deep enough to trap them. But Morgana's magic was too clever for that, and they were not falling for it. With no other plan of how to deal with them without hurting them, the Camelot army were becoming discouraged. Seeing that Tarask had taken Morgana's attention from what was happening down on the ground, the wizard summoned what little magic he could. Holding out his staff in front of him, he brought the end crashing to the ground and immediately the earth began to tremble. 
and then the lawn swelled up like an ocean wave before dipping down deep below the surface. Up and down it went, sending everyone on the battlefield toppling over. When the last of the statues had fallen on its side, Merlin ordered the ground to calm. Without delay, and while everyone felt confused and seasick, he conjured a green ball of light and rolled it along the ground. It formed a blanket over each of the statues and sent them to sleep. The dream fairy immediately floated in and awakened the sleeping bodies from their enchantment. Mia stood up on the roof, shifting from foot to foot nervously as she watched the blows that were being exchanged above her head. Tarask might have been smaller than the mammoth battle dragon, but he more than made up for it in fighting capability. Morgana hung onto her dragon's neck for dear life as they corkscrewed through the air in pursuit of each other. Somehow the witch was able to let go with one hand and whip out her wand. In no time at all, another newly created lava dragon was dripping fire onto those below as it soared through the air. Morian and the knights ran to rescue the freed people and animals from the path of the fiery rain. Tarask recoiled at the appearance of the supernatural creature and was even more baffled when countless wooden torches filed out of the darkness of the battle dragon's smoky breath. One by one, they magically lit themselves and marched around Tarask's dragons, who, being terrified of torch flames, flailed their legs and wings, trying to escape their scorching nudges. The battle dragon swung around and swiped Tarask with its tail, knocking him unconscious. He fell from the sky and plummeted to the ground, and the other dragons fled. Mia shouted out, her cry alerted Morgana, who looked across and saw her standing on the roof. An evil smile spread across her face. This will finish you, foolish girl, she laughed, and then the lava dragon began to bombard Mia with fireballs. Mia ran to the door of the tower, but it had jammed shut. With no way to avoid them, and repeating to herself that she had the power to defeat Morgana's magic, she swung the dragon sword and with an almost superhuman force pounded each ball back towards the witch. Morgana darted out of the way, resulting in one of the flaming missiles hitting the lava dragon at great speed and blasting it into two halves. Mia saw that inside was just a mass of flames with nothing except magic holding it together. The lava dragon exploded. Down towards Mia came another series of bewildering flashes as Morgana unleashed a volley of electrical spells down on her. The dragon armour and sword was battered, but it held up well, protecting her against Morgana's attack. In a blind fury, the witch threw a bolt of lightning at Mia, determined to defeat her, even if it destroyed the castle entirely. Mia swung the sword one last time, and the lightning hit the battle dragon's armour, making him lose his balance and sending him nosediving towards the floor. Morgana screeched as she tried to regain control of the beast. She fell from the saddle, but was saved from death by hanging onto his reins high above the ground. 
Seeing the shells of her statues lying on the lawn, she began to chant and their stone limbs began to move once more, fixing themselves back together and stumbling to their feet. This time her stone army would fight without their prisoners. Mia saw Merlin raise his staff above his head and send up a spell that snapped the battle dragon's reins. Morgana plunged to the ground without completing her spell. The battle dragon flew away. Instead of letting her hit the ground and die, Merlin broke her fall a metre above and suspended her there, unable to move. The wizard then took her wand and put a spell on her voice so that she could no longer harm anyone. Morgana was horrified when she saw all of her cursed prisoners liberated and walking towards her. They marched her off to the tiled hall where they kept her prisoner until later that week when Merlin was able to transport her back to her lake prison and reseal the veil around her. Mia used the dragon sword to break the lock of the tower door and then she ran down the stairs and out of the castle towards where Tarask's lifeless body was lying on the floor. Morian, the gnomes and dragons were gathered around him, weeping at the sacrifice he had made to save them. He fought so bravely, sobbed Mia. Everyone took off their hats and kneeled down next to him. High up in the mystical mountains, Molly Merle was staring into her magical crystal well, watching the events in Camelot. She picked up her broom and her wand and jumped into one of her portals. Within moments, she was standing alongside the mourners. Goodness me, she said, looking at all the destruction. She looked down at Tarask and without hesitation, she waved her wand towards the castle. Magical blue water started to rise from the moat until it was full. Then, using one of Oddjob's buckets, she poured some of the water over the dragon. They all stood back as his body began to glisten with blue sparkles. And then, in a breathtaking moment, his spirit rose from his body. Next to him appeared the white stag. He's come to take Tarask to his next life, whispered Merlin. He looks very peaceful, Gobar sniffed, trying to hide the single tear running down his face. The stag bowed to Tarask, and then the two ghostly creatures bounded through the sky and towards the golden beams of the rising sun. Where are they going? asked Mia sadly. The stag is taking him back to another moment in time where he was happiest, said Merlin. Mia was confused, so he continued. All of our happiest moments are kept and stored away. Then, when it is time to leave this soil, we simply choose which of them we want to go back to. We never really die, we just move to a different time. So while we miss them, Mia said, somewhere in time, they still have us, and we still have them. That's right said Merlin, but we have to wait for the white stag to come and lead us there, for only he knows where they are kept. This thought comforted Mia, knowing that somewhere in time she was still with her family. 
The green forest dragons arrived at the castle and scurried around nursing everyone's wounds with an ointment of herbs that they had brought from the dragon realm. Molly Mel soaked some of the leaves with her magical well water, forming soothing bandages, and the dragons placed them over the charcoal barks of the burnt trees. This will do the trick, she said, as the potion trickled down their trunks and onto their roots. As soon as Stickney Piggott felt the tingle of the ointment, he woke up. That's better, he said, shaking himself awake. He blinked his large eyes at Mia and smiled. I do apologise. I fell asleep. I hope that I didn't miss anything. Mia laughed. Don't worry, Stickney. You didn't miss a thing. The whole court turned towards Mia, Morian and the Dream Fairy, and with their hands over their hearts, they bowed in gratitude. The fairy, seeing the first colours of daylight appear, returned their bow and then waved goodbye as she floated away. Oddjob strode past Mia and Morian with a ladder tucked under his arm. There was much to do, he muttered, as he briefly stopped and looked up at the collapsed roof and walls. I had better get started, he said with a beaming smile. Mia was pleased that the caretaker was finally going back to the life that he loved. In the gardens, the gnome folk busied themselves, capturing the final wisps of Morgana's magic and throwing them into the blades of a giant portable mill wheel, which then revolved and dragged them deep underground. King Arthur looked thoughtfully up at his castle before making his way back towards the entrance. Jack and Jim, who were now back standing guard, bowed low as he walked through. The other monarchs, who had been cursed long ago, followed King Arthur over the drawbridge and then faded away, each travelling back to their own time in history and living out their lives as they were meant to do. Mia said, Morgana is still alive. So why are the guard cats letting King Arthur and the others back in? A realisation dawned on her. She ran over to the guard cats. You opened the portal to the hall for me, didn't you? She said. You weren't really protecting Morgana by not letting us in, were you? You were protecting us. And I suppose that you deliberately let us find Morgana's spell book, didn't you? Added Morian. The guard cats purred and bunted her gently with their heads, allowing her to rub their noses. So I didn't have the power to break through Morgana's spell after all, she said quietly, shivering at the realisation of the risk she had just taken. Of course you did, came a voice from behind. It was Merlin. The dragon sword only gives strength to those who believe in themselves, and while you held it, you indeed felt powerful enough to beat her. Those who truly believe can do anything. Mia and Morian sat down and watched the red sky turn to blue as a new day arrived. Well, I suppose that I should be going home too, said Mia, looking towards the forest. Morian looked sad. Can you not stay? he asked. Mia shook her head slowly. My own world needs healing too, she said. Now that I have the courage, I shall look for my new quest there. Morian understood. We owe you a great debt, Mia, he said. I will never forget you. 
and I will make sure that my world never forgets you either, she replied, giving him a hug. Mia wiped a tear from her eye and took one last look at Camelot and then went to find Stickney. I'm ready to go home now, she said to the tree. With those words, Stickney Piggott took a deep breath and as he exhaled, shards of brilliant white light poured out of his trunk. The doorway opened and the leafy stairway was there waiting for her. She waved goodbye to Morian and with a leap, Stickney Piggott took to the air. Mia knew that she would miss Camelot and the friends that she had made there and so took one last look behind her. She was overjoyed to see the white stag and Tarask flying past and that the twilight travellers were following them. The old man, the child and all the others were going home. Tarask must have gone back and freed them, she said to Stickney. But he wasn't listening. He was busy looking out for those ill-mannered mountain dragons. The oak tree landed back on the playing field near Mia's house and she could hear Cairo barking nearby. As she walked down the magical staircase, she noticed that the bookcase had disappeared. But Samorian's book was lying on the floor. She picked it up and opened it. The pages were no longer blank. They were filled with words telling the story of his life at Camelot. And as she promised, later that day, she left it at the library for others to read.